Live from the Bills Famous Cheese Spread Studios in the Downstairs Pub, the Blockout Sports Pod is back on the air. From behind the master control desk in the aforementioned Downstairs Pub, I am your host and moderator for this evening. My name is Travis Carter. Over my right shoulder is the big fellow, the tuna country Matt Kempf, and bellied up to the bar, a man who was country when country wasn't cool, the fabulous one, Freddie Benders. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Doing good. One of my favorite songs, uh, Barbara Mandrell. When was country never cool? I don't even know when that was. That's never happened in my life. You weren't putting peanuts in your Coke? No, baby. It's all, it's all country. <laughs> country was always cool. I think that song uh, and that sentiment was well before you were even born. Right. You know? Probably well before I, I, I got to tell of. you, the urban cowboy made country cool. Uh, we can agree to I disagree ag- on that. We and that uh, might be a topic that uh, you and I discuss later on in the summer <laughs> when there uh, favorite movie of all time when there isn't a lot of sports uh, to talk about. But this week there is a lot of sports to talk about. And before we get started, uh, I do want to thank everybody that's listened and uh, has reached out about our uh, Indy 500 bonus episodes. If you have not listened yet. They are available. Um, <clears throat> you might have to scroll down if you follow the show on RSS Podcasts. It's at the very bottom. There are two Indy 500 bonus episodes, one of which dropped uh, last week and one of which just dropped this afternoon. Great stuff, too, man. I, uh, I haven't heard the second one. I'll listen to that tomorrow, but the first one was fantastic. You will find uh, the very end of tomorrow or of yesterday's episode uh, personally interesting. I guarantee. I'm it. friends of Alan, and he did a great job, and uh, I love talking with him. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all that stuff. And we are going to uh, at least briefly discuss the Indianapolis 500 tonight, but there are tons of other things to get to. Uh, a quick rundown of, of the things we plan to talk about tonight. Uh, last week's PGA Championship, uh, the 500, uh, the Preakness Stakes, the fascinating NBA playoffs, um, spring meetings in the SEC, uh, including a very important vote. The real from... meeting of the minds down there. <laughs> uh, the NCAA baseball tournament getting underway. Uh, and then... You know, we'll just see where the rest of the episode gets us. As always, we are on social media at Blockout Pod on Twitter. Uh, type in Blockout Sports Pod on your uh, Facebook uh, search engine. Um, and I thought we would start tonight by talking about uh, the PGA Championship. Not only was <clears throat> did it turn out to be a uh, a very interesting tournament in a lot of ways, but uh, Tuna, I believe that you might have predicted the winner. Oh, oh God! Last week, like when you're hot, you're hot. I feel like on a weekly basis we go over this, guys. <laughs> I pick winners. This is what I do. I, I, I'm, it, it just it just happens that way. So I'm I, bowing to you. I, I don't know know how else to say this, but 
ride my coattails, guys. Get on the train. I've got plenty of room. I'll let you on. I don't mind. And that caboose <laughs> is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> uh, Brooks Kepka, of course, won the tournament, which was uh, Tuna's pick. Um, but there was a lot of other very interesting stuff, not just the live versus PGA guys and kind of the um, uh, the ramifications of that. Uh, but you also had a PGA teaching pro finish in the top 15, which is blocky, blocky, super cool. And um, Tuna, I, I, I wanted to ask you what what your thoughts were, not just about uh, the guy that you like, Brooks Kepka winning mm-hmm. the tournament, but just kind of your overall feelings of the PGA. Yeah, since you're also a scratch golfer. All right. All right, this is where I'm at. Like, <laughs> But to touch on Brooks real quick, I think the big thing, he didn't play behind Cantrip, or Patrick Cantlay this time around. Uh, yeah. And you could tell he took what he did on the Masters by playing conservative and frustrated and just let it fly on Sunday. Right. He was aggressive. He was he was taking risks that other golfers were not. And the minute that Victor Hovland tried to be aggressive with him, because Victor Hovland played incredible golf. Right. What's he, like 24 years old? Right. That kid's going to be amazing, man. By the way, I got second on that. Uh, yeah. He's going to be a <laughs> – he's got a future. Travis, the, we got second on that with Chef, too. Yes, we did. Hey, guys, we all picked pretty good. We all got the top two. If you take that Saturday, which wasn't bad, but it was shaky for Chef, his Sunday was spectacular. Right. That really, guy really good. is yeah. right in the mix. Yeah. But yeah. he had a little bit of a shaky Saturday. Other in the than, rain. That, the rain got him a little bit. He, he didn't play very well in the rain. And yet. other than that, like the big story of the day, the dunk by um, – my Michael Block. Oh I, I've never God. seen a Dude. shot like that in my entire life. I've never. I mean, I'm sure you guys have. You've been watching golf longer than I have, Dude. but I've just never seen one go in and just completely disappear. Uh, I know, and and that was such the the high like Chef. Remember Chef Ramos makes his chip, yeah, from way out, and it's like, what is going on in the air here? I mean, it's just one of them. That's why we watch golf when it, a majors when it gets like that. It's like contagious. And I actually saw this week on social media that uh, Michael Block has been offered fifty thousand dollars for that seven iron that he hit that he made the hole in one with, and he says he's absolutely not selling. Would you all be able to sell it? No. I don't think I could. No, there's no way. I'd put it in the pro show or put it in the the you know at the you have it hanging in your garage had. bar and telling everybody <laughs> that stopped by during the Schnitzelberg walk. Yeah. <laughs> this is I hit this in the hole in one back in 2012. Tuna, I have a uh, I have a Miller Light bottle over there uh, embossed from 2006 down here in the downstairs. What does embossed pub. mean? I it no means clue. it's uh, that's a million dollar word engraved oh it's, it's, okay, it's, okay. It, it is written upon that i got for uh attending every indiana university football home game in 2006 so if you think i would be willing to give away a golf club yeah. that i made a hole in one with in a major tournament no, no you're out of your mind no, not at all. <laughs> Shout out to the HBC crew, by the way. 
Best uh, tailgate in Bloomington, trust and, me. And and going back on that, I think something it's never gonna happen because the PGA is too like curmudgeon y to let this happen. But just imagine hypothetically if there was a live versus PGA Ryder Cup type format, how cool would that be? I'd pay pay per view prices for oh, that. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I feel like that would be I one. mean, you know, you know when they do the, the PGA will never do it. What about when they do the four guys with now they use football quarterbacks or whatever? Oh, but the wouldn't match. it be cool if they did like a two on two with two live players and just on a on a Thursday night in California, it goes late night yeah. or whatever. But but make it live tour versus PGA. Hell, that would them, be cool. Get them back in Montana. That was one of the prettiest courses oh, I've yeah, ever seen. Man. Dude. Sure. Yeah. What was it Aaron Rodgers and Brady in that one? That, yeah, uh, it was insane. So. And I like when they're late night. I like when they're when they're West Coast. Yeah. And, you, and you're watching it till nine thirty. Give me a nine o'clock, yeah. like eighteenth tee off. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm all for that. But, so. Well, I yeah, was please, I was Fred. gonna say the the Michael Block. Uh, I, I I mean I'm sure someone's already done something with the with the tagline, but uh, I, my T-shirt's already getting made for Valhalla. I play blocky golf. Uh, that is a hyphen I E, not a Y. I play blocky golf, and I will be wearing that, buddy. You better believe it, uh, because I do play blocky golf. Uh, based on what he did tonight, today, <laughs> and, uh, the last couple shots when he uh, hit it short on a par four, then hit it in the bunker, then over the green in a bunker, then back around, <laughs> and not counting the shot off the bridge. And you might remember last week I said that uh, I wasn't sure there was enough money in my bank account for me to bet that he misses the cut oh and i stand oh, dude yeah. i stand too by much that, pressure huh? i mean he like matt like uh, tuna said you've got to take time to to chill out like that was almost like winning a major what he went through with the hole sure in one was. with rory sure. and all that and and uh the you know what i'm saying you almost like mm. it takes Golfers that win majors for the first time, normally they take time off and they get all these people coming to them and, and it's very intimidating. And for him to just jump back in the Valero, but that's who he is. That's what makes block blocky golf. What it is, is he's like, sure, I'll play. What the hell? And I think he talked to everyone from the vending machine guy to, uh, to the 80 year old grandpa sitting in his chair, uh, today, as he walked by anyone and everyone. So that's a lot of energy he's throwing out there. I just feel like his stock would have rose so much more if he had just like sat back and let the cake bake a little bit. And then like a month from now, we're all like blocks back boys. Let's right. get it. I like, know. you know I what know. I mean? There wasn't enough time for it to process before he's already back out on the course. Yeah. Well, I think somebody in his particular situation has to take advantage of the fact that these tournaments Immediate, I mean, literally within an hour of the PGA Championship concluding, putting out on social media, Michael Block, we would love to have you yeah. at our term. Who's to say that a month from now that 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 is? You have to kind of strike while right. the iron is hot. Absolutely, right, right. It's a there's catch, a middle yeah. ground there. It's a I guess. catch twenty two. Like, when you get an invitation to his level, I guess you have to take that. Right, so I, right. I understand. And, and you know what he said after it was over? He's like, "Look, do I want to get on the senior tour? No, 
I want to teach golf and hang out and do what I do. You know, his kids are, dude, he's getting ready to play in a, uh, what is it, June 10th, Travis? He's getting ready to play against his son Mm -hmm. in in qualifying (laughs) for the U.S. Open, right? It's a qualifier, and he's playing against his son, who was the one that told him to keep playing and keep pushing you know, the pictures of him, he's a lot younger then. Mm-hmm. Now he's probably grown and ready to, he's probably going to be a pretty damn good player himself. Just ask JT, the son of a club pro. Uh, but that's going to be cool. So we got to keep our eye on that. That's also happening. Uh, Travis, I like June 10th or something, I think. Uh, that sounds it, right. It, that's I, like two it, weeks. I think it's going to be, they're going to have it maybe on some channel. They're uh, watching. I forgot where where it's at, but anyway. Uh, it was it was so cool. That was such a, a great side thing going on. Rory, who else could he have played with any better than Rory? Yeah, you know, and Justin Rory. Rose the first day and Rory the second. Like, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that because yeah. those guys are, are very giving guys. You know what I'm saying? They're fun to play with. Thank God he wasn't playing with Cantlay. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, tuna. Speaking of things that you picked last week. Oh, mm-hmm. God, again. My nose and winners. Those are the two <laughs> things. And your butt. <laughs> let's, let's, get to the, uh, let's get to the Preakness Stakes. Which uh, I, I was... wanna, can I apologize to everyone first before he sure. tuna goes off? Uh, guys, I want to apologize to anyone that put anything on anything I said. <laughs> hey, you win some, you lose some. Uh Hey, you made everybody enough money on Derby. Maybe so. May should have sat out like block, like you wanted Block <laughs> to, and take a chill for a little while himself. But no, we all knew, and I may have said it. I, I did listen to it again to go, what did I say about National Treasure? Because we all knew it was a Bamford horse. We knew he was fresh. He, I told him until he does something, I'm not going to bet him, and now he did something. But. Uh, he never had a first place win, and, and except an allowance at the very beginning of his career, um, and then a whole lot of seconds and thirds and injuries. But he was going to be the 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 horse that went out front. He wasn't going to be a rabbit, but you know what? It was all about who's going to go out front, and when he did. So I apologize for uh, I did take a chance on some other horses to try to beat him with closers. And it just wasn't there. But by God, Tuna, this, the floor is yours again. Well, no, it's just like me and the other eight people that watched the Preakness. We were all real excited <laughs> <laughs> that that National Treasure pulled the win off. I, I don't, I mean, it's like I said, I, I pick winners. We go over this on a weekly basis. I'm not going to keep elaborating on it. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But, yeah. I mean, it was just when a winner. When I picked four, my four horses, that already knocked four out. So you out. picked four, yeah, and, and then, then I picked and, one. And, well, there was only two <laughs> left, and one of them was scratched the night we did the show. Well, you can't take the whole field and leave me with nothing. I didn't take the whole field, but uh, okay. Good. Did you bet on that race, Tuna? Um, <laughs> I did not bet on it. Look. I do this. He for, wanted in a pool. I do this for <laughs> recreational fun. Uh, gambling is questionable. You be careful with your money, folks. 
That is unbelievable. I had no idea that you didn't actually I did not make bet a it. bet on Nothing that. Nothing makes us <laughs> madder than it. that. I did pal. not bet it. <laughs> I did bet Brooks Kepka, so there was some gambling this weekend. Exactly. Right. But I did but not hey, bet no, I did not bet any horse racing. Good picks. So and I'm kicking myself for it. But either way. Now, what did he go off at? Four to I mean he didn't Dude, go the off. The moral that victory crazy. It was like nine to two or, or, yes, or maybe yes. Yeah, it was it was something yeah. very similar. The moral victory means more to me than any monetary value. And 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 I know and Baffert had a horse that was put down earlier in the day and uh or maybe it was the day before anyways, yes. Uh I also lost on the black eyed Susan. Uh, the favorite, uh, went through on that. Uh, I did try to beat that horse, uh, with Merlaza and that did not happen. So I actually, the favorite did not win. I take that back. It was taxed that won that race. And, uh, sounds like a rough day for, it was a good Mr. Frederick. Uh, Freddie did not do well, uh, on any of the Preakness betting. No. Well, there's always random Wednesday But I was nights. on their money, so thanks, TVG. Can I tell you guys a uh, a funny story, and this will lead into our next topic of conversation, which is going to be the Indianapolis 500, is that uh, my friend Alan and I went uh, to the Speedway this weekend for Fast Friday and qualifications on Saturday, and as we do quite often, we went to the the IMS Museum and saw all the displays and the historic cars and things. And then we decided we would sit down and get something to eat. And I had remarked to him that I needed to check my TVG so that I could... Uh, what I told him was I need to add some money, I'm sure... So I have money to bet on the Preakness. And when I opened my app, there was like almost $700 in there. And my immediate thought was that has to be a mistake. And then I looked and I realized that on Derby Day, I had hit the trifecta (laughs) for something like $600. Oh, baby. Which is... It's almost the complete opposite of what usually happens. I usually think, oh, I won, I won. And then I look and I, I left out the two horse or whatever. This particular time, I think I was so overwhelmed by the experience of being in the third floor clubhouse and not really having bet all day. I I, I made one bet. One bet, Derby Day. <laughs> And ended up winning like 600 bucks. And it was, uh, and of course I gave a lot of that back betting on the Preakness like an idiot. But That's all right. That's a good quality <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, but that gets me to. I wish to God I could find some like tickets that I didn't know I won on. And the next thing you know, you just log in and there's a lot of money in there. Well, right. I, I've lost, yeah. I have lost a, I lost a ticket that is somewhere around the house. I might just keep logging into the Caesar Sportsbook and just seeing if there's something pops you know, every day. I'm I, just going to log in. I have in. a ticket that I might be scrapping for, uh, come college football season that has, uh, U of L University of Louisville to win the national championship and I like the way I like where your head's at. That is uh, I like 16, where your head's at. It's uh, plus 
sixteen thousand. I roll. think if I, if I win, I went on a ten dollar bet, sixteen grand. Give it to me. Say roll so damn I'll be cards. Looking for that. Roll damn cards. When they're six and zero oh, before they play Notre Dame, I'll be looking. How for How much that did ticket. you bet on that ticket? Ten dollars. Next season, just give me ten dollars. <laughs> just. just it's only because their schedule, the way their schedule Fred, works out. Fred, wait a minute. Wait just a damn minute. Do you not remember that Louisville plays your fighting Indiana Hoosiers at Lucas Oil yes, Stadium? Yes, I do. I'll be there with you guys. Uh, we'll all be meandering around. Uh, well, yes. I think clearly you forgot that because... Uh, there's no way they're going to be in uh, consideration for a national championship run after they lose to that juggernaut. That is <laughs> that that could very well happen. I forgot about that. Uh, Which, by the way, 98 but, days till Cardinal football kicks off. Just going to throw that out. But there. I do know that U of L. Boy, that's a countdown oh, worth uh, really paying attention. They to. They only it. have four me, away am. games. It's like folks. an advent calendar. Every day I wake up and get a chocolate. They have only four away games and play uh, don't play little old Clemson this year. So, uh, good luck to them. Let's talk about the Indy 500 quickly. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've done two bonus episodes uh, regarding a lot of the uh, traditions and things that are passed down from generation to generation relative to the Indianapolis 500. But Fred, uh, you haven't been here yet for either one of those uh, broadcasts. And you brought over some really cool memorabilia tonight that you had, including your dad's stopwatch, which is a just a super cool thing and something that I think a lot of people will relate to uh, who had fathers or grandfathers or whatever that, took them to Indianapolis year after year. And you have some great pictures, including one of uh, Paul Newman that you snapped in Gasoline Alley. Uh, I wanted to get your... Three maybe. Yeah. I think you were taking pictures of two shirtless dudes, and Paul Newman just so happened, <laughs> happened to be to, in yeah, the he picture. happened to walk in. <laughs> I don't which, think so. but either way, man, we're not here to judge. Which, yeah, I'm gonna put that picture on Facebook, and I think and everybody watch. Yeah, I think everybody would get a kick out of that because there are three shirtless guys walking through Gasoline Alley, which clearly would not fly today. But Fred, I wanted to get your uh, your thoughts about what your memories are of Indianapolis. I know you've been to the race three or four times and uh, what it meant to you to have your dad kind of introduce you to the speedway. Well, yeah, I, uh, when I went, it was back in the eighties. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a newbie, uh, at Indy. I'm, I've been to the old ones. Uh, my dad, I don't know anyone that is that got more excited for the Indy 500 than my dad, except Travis. So uh, that's why I always try to find my dad's and my memorabilia that we've saved and always try to show him uh, because I, I know I was there for a Tom Sneva win. I was there for a Rick Mears. or It was either Rick Mears or Gordon Johncock. Uh, that won the race, and I know I was there when Danny Sullivan did the 360. 
So uh, or the one eighty or whatever, and it was a three sixty, and if, won the race. If it was a one eighty, he would have he would have been crashed. going the yeah, wrong way down the track. <laughs> and, um, and it was the opposite side from where we were. We just heard about it, and then you know, news traveled fast back then. Even you know, so, people had their transistor radios to their ear. If if you knew my dad, he did. Eighty three um, uh, would have been Tom Sneva. Right. Uh, Eighty five was Danny Sullivan and the spin to win. Right. Right. Um, I, and I almost feel like I thought I was there for Rick Mears, but maybe it was Gordon. John. I knew I loved Gordon John Cox car. I, I thought he had the coolest car, the red, white and blue uh, or red and blue turquoise blue. S was that a STP? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fred, if you look oh, down. Oh, there it uh, is. I you, see it. If you look down the hallway here in the yeah. downstairs pub, that was 1982, which was my first year. Okay, at is, the that te- is that the Texaco Sneva car next to it? No, that's Rick Mears. That's who finished Oh, that's because I remember him being Goodyear. Uh, he always had a yellow. Uh, and then don't let me sound too. Uh, I, I know when I say, oh, he had a, just a yellow car, I know he had the Pennzoil or the Penske car. For a while, that's Mears in his Gould, right, right, uh, number one okay. machine that for many years was the closest finish in the five hundred of all time. Okay, nineteen eighty-two. Okay. okay, and Gordon Johncock was driving the STP Patrick Wildcat. There you go. No relation well, to well, Gordon. Well, it started off with me real quick to tell a couple stories. Is that uh? Man, like I said, my dad was ate up with it. We went to the time trials, like, for years. Rain, shower, or shine. We were there. It didn't matter. Rain was not stopping him. Uh, so, we would go. We even went, I think, one time, and it was a total rain out. We, like, turned around and went home. I mean, it was... But it, we, I'd always get some guys, some of my buddies to go with me. He would have buddies that go. He He organized the whole thing. And finally, we decided that we were going to, when I got a little older, we decided that we were going to go, when I actually cared about it more, we decided we were, and I'm 52 years old, so we were going to, we decided that we were going to go to the actual 500, he was going to get us tickets and everything, and he, I mean, we'd have a van full of people, and I can remember him sitting around the night before telling stories about Sweet Savage, and how he died in in a crash a horrible crash and and then one time one of the one of the people got hit by a car trying to tend to someone's car maybe that was him too it was it was uh that was 1973 yeah and i remember and being petrified like it's so interesting that you bring that up because my uncle jerry was at that race in 1973 Swede Savage uh, was a super charismatic, a very popular young driver who unfortunately had a uh, terrible accident and a crew member saw that what had happened and took off running down pit lane and he didn't realize and a fire truck didn't realize that they were out there at the same time. And the fire truck was kind of going the wrong way down pit road and tragically struck and killed 
that crew member. And that's one thing there were, and there were several other things that happened in 1973, including uh, the tragic passing of driver Art Pollard that uh, kind yeah. of cast a pall on that particular race. And that's what made 1982 so great was that Gordon John and, and the 73 race was also shortened by rain. So it was a tragic race shortened by rain and Gordon never really, I don't think got the opportunity to celebrate the race the way that he should have. Uh, Swede Savage was a teammate mate of his right that particular year. And that's just one of those cool 500 stories. He comes back nine years later and wins what is my favorite 500 of all time, which is immortalized in that picture that we're looking at right down at the here at the end of the uh, downstairs pub. Right. And and I can just that really got my juices flowing. Like, oh, my God, like 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 you and Alan were talking about in your podcast, uh it's just that gets you really, you know, those you don't want to hear about those things, but it's like, oh, my God, this stuff is serious stuff. And then when you get there and uh, and get on the track and these cars come around and, and you hear the sounds and everything, it's like no sound you've ever heard in your life. Uh, and I can remember when we got there, though, I'm like, man, this is going to be insane. We're going to our first scene 500. The weather's beautiful. Everyone's amped up. We're there at, like, freaking 7 a.m. already. Uh, and, dude, the first thing I see when we park, which was chaos, I get out of the car, and I see a man carrying a two-ton wooden cross across <laughs> the freaking grass and and he's dressed like a monk and i'm like what in the heck and my dad's like keep walking keep walking seems normal and dude i mean that was at the very that was the first time i'm like what is this guy doing he's literally cannot even carry this cross that he's dragging across <laughs> and i'm thinking my dad goes you're gonna see a lot worse than that so keep walking dude of <laughs> where, course where guys have signs spray painted everywhere uh, show us your, yeah. yeah right. And, uh, I'm like, oh my God, this is like the t shirt circuit. I will, one thing I said is like, this makes Derby look like, uh, uh, the Pinewood Derby and Cub Scouts. <laughs> I mean, this, I've never seen so many people, so many tailgaters, so all over the place. I mean, it was insane. And, uh, as we went in and watched the race, I, I I know a couple people uh, had some, you know, there were wrecks in front of us. Where we were. Then I found out, you know, we went all around to where our seats were by the golf course. I didn't even know during time trials that there's a freaking 18-hole golf course in this place. Well, there's... Or whatever there's, it was, nine holes or... There's three holes that are inside okay, the speedway. Okay, okay, three holes. But it's an 18-hole course that surrounds That goes it. around, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Long, long, I can keep going forever, but uh, I'll never forget when I had three buddies with me. And, of course, back then, you know, we're carrying around cool. My dad and them were carrying around coolers and everything. He's got his racing jacket on and his transistor. I got the stopwatch, which, guys, when you see this, it's got a 
The strap on it to put around your neck is a shoelace. It's never been changed. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And uh, my dad had this great idea. He goes, let's go to the snake pit. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the snake pit? And he goes, come on, Tater, let's take them. So think about this if you are indie diehards. We're walking around, and, and, and the snake pit, if I remember correctly, Travis, was on the inside of maybe turn one. It was. Is that right? It I'm was. thinking, but we're coming from turn two from the back way right. into it. Right. Okay, guys, I saw the Hells Angels for the first time in my life, and it was the Hells Angels. Okay. My, uh, that was, that was, told to me by one of my dad's friends uh dude there was a car that i have a picture of that i've got to find with spray painted back curse words all over it that looked like some guys had taken a ham a sledgehammer to for about a day and a night and a half laying in the mud over on its side and i'm like thinking to myself what could possibly have happened in here the night before or whatever for that to have transpired inside this track? You know, a, <laughs> a great many stories that I've heard about the old snake pit, which was, in fact, on the inside of turn one, uh, basically directly across from where my seats are now, is that people used to, you know, buy these back in the 70s maybe early 80s but definitely in the 70s they would buy a car for like two or three hundred dollars that just barely ran and they would drive it to ims specifically to take it to the snake pit and then just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. And the place was so nice. big. I mean, uh, anyways, why da- after we saw a couple shady things going on, I was like, all right, we're out of here. And uh, I think it was a guy that was seven foot, a motorcycle gang member that looked like Lurch with a uh, Nazi helmet on. God. And uh, there were, and le- let's just move on. So, uh <laughs> Who was your guy in Animal House? And I got, I got a lot D-Day, of he pi- rode yeah, the motorcycle D-Day. up. I got a lot of pictures of this stuff. My mom is looking for them right now. Uh, and uh, so when I got Paul Newman's picture, we somehow my dad got access to the to Gasoline Alley as we went to our, like our last one. And we're I got a picture of little Al sitting on the workbench. And dude, this is back in the day. He had that car that had the the white rims i remember that uh am i right his hubcaps or his rims were either red or white they looked totally different than any other car he was probably either driving he was a rookie i think oh well i when, think is when he was a rookie when he was a rookie i believe he drove the coors light yeah, silver bullet this had special this had the i remember his rims being so different anyways that's when we were walking around. I had I had just gotten a new camera. You know the kind that you had the flash cubes that you like stuck on the top. Right. Dude, I so I had to go into this little little store there in Gas Alley where there's souvenirs and get my camera stuff. I as we're walking out, we're checking out. I'm getting pictures of Tony I'm I'm just naming names Say that Tony I remember. Bennett? Tony Bentonhausen. Oh. 
Uh, Gary Bentonhausen. These are names that I remember off the top of my head. Legends. Um, uh, uh, Danny Ongayas, who was my dad's favorite. The uh, flying Hawaiian, Danny on the gas. And I can remember his name because my dad was always, he had a black car, I remember. Yeah, I I loved Danny Ongayas. Yeah, and uh, uh, anyways, I remember... Here he comes. All these people start running around. This big crowd builds up and everything. Dude, it's Paul Newman. It's Paul Newman. Well, I'll run over there and just chick, 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 bam. I'm in the right place at the right time. Get the most beautiful profile of him with his Budweiser racing gear on. And, yes, there's three dudes, three slugs, (laughs) three uh, teenagers or whatever that are wearing no shirts. One's reaching over to shake his hand. And they're in the picture, and it makes it even more funny the way he's dressed compared to them. I <laughs> yeah, went on, right. Travis, to get lost after that in the gasoline alley. Had no idea where to go. So what did I do? Well, I panicked for a while because I'm like, no one's ever going to find me here. And, uh, it, and so I went back to where I got my film. And by God, if if my dad and his buddy didn't walk in there about 15 minutes later and I stayed there, they made me stay. And uh, I'll never forget that. Anyways, those are just a couple things I remember. Uh, so many more things went on. But uh, all the craziness during the race and stuff is what is is just nuts. And not to mention the the awesome cars and the sounds and all that, but. Uh, I probably went too long, but I I, I get excited about it because, I mean, dude, I've been to three Indy 500s, I'm happy to say. You know what I mean? You can never go too long (laughs) with me talking about the Indianapolis 500. And Tuna, you mentioned to me earlier tonight before we started recording that you've never actually watched a 500 from start to finish. Is that right? No, the most I've ever caught is maybe like the first – 10 to 15 laps and maybe the last 20 laps. I've never been a big racing guy in general. Um, the Netflix documentary or series, um, drive to survive kind of got me into F one a little bit. And, um, I've really enjoyed that. And you guys talked me into watching the world cup and I enjoyed every second of that, that I watched. So I guess this Memorial day, I'm going to make it a priority to watch the Indianapolis 500 front to finish all the pageantry, all the racing, everything that's involved. And, um, just so I can say, I've watched one front to finish and see what I'm missing because there's that many people out there that enjoy it to that level that I, I must be missing something. All you gotta do is bet on it too. Then you'll really like it. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, you know what else? Tuna? I've got my driver. I the, pick winners and the, I'm got, the, I got my winner. The guys that, you know, another thing that's cool about listening to it on the radio, on, on watching on the, on TV is the, the way that the people are screaming into the microphones, Jim, Jim, we got, it's just like total chaos. And you can hear, yeah, yeah. And they're yelling and it. And then, dude, it's almost like a hockey game on cocaine or something. A hockey playoff well, now game. No, I would watch any game hockey game seven. where they're on cocaine. But, dude, it is. It's total craziness. And, and I, I don't even think that the, like, the Daytona 500 is not anything like that. Nothing like no, that. It um, is like. I would implore anybody that, uh, whether you're a, a fan of the 500 or not, 
to go on YouTube and listen to either the 1982 final laps of the 500, the 92 final laps of the 500, um, maybe the 77, the 87, the 91 with uh, Emerson Fittipaldi and Al Jr. These radio calls, as you said, Fred... And it's always been on the radio as well. Well, yes. And, always and, on the... My dad used to listen to it on the radio. Yes, because when I grew up in Bloomington, if you were not at the race, you couldn't watch the race live on television. Oh, okay. It was okay. always blacked out. Right. So the years that we weren't at the, at the Speedway, it was you were in the backyard doing whatever you were doing, growing out or whatever, and you had the race on the radio. And some of my greatest moments when I think about races past aren't necessarily the ones I've been at. A lot of them are the ones that I heard on the radio and had to imagine in my brain what it looked like. And they, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network is unparalleled in the way that they can bring a an event of that magnitude to people and make it just absolute must listen radio and a shout out to everybody that works at uh, the IMS radio network, because I think they're the best in the business period. And did you ever get any of those posters that had all the, the guy? Now I remember the newspaper would come out when the newspaper was good and it'd have a picture of all their faces and it was like three pages long. Yep. But see, my dad worked at the automotive center. His, one of his first jobs over, uh, in green tree mall over in Indiana. And he would, that's what, that's where I'm like, where did he get all this race car stuff from? Well, hell he changed tires and everything. He changed tires for, Jimmy Hart and Tojo Yamanoto and Handsome Jimmy Valiant once. Oh, Handsome Jimmy? Damn right he did. They stopped in with a flat tire in their convertible, and he changed their tires for them over okay. there, dude. Uh, but anyways, he would bring back all these posters. Superstar like Bill Champion Dundee Spark wasn't Rug. there? No, he was not with them. <laughs> Jimmy Hart was. But they... Uh, but he had he would bring these posters from Champion Spark Plugs and all this those. stuff, and and I would finally get to see what each guy looked like. Like, no, oh, now I know what Danny and Gaius looks like. You right. know what I mean? It was really cool, dude. Really cool. I did Gordon John Clark. God, he's got freaking gray hair. Like, you know, I never knew any of that stuff. You know, he did. It, it's funny to think about because uh, when Gordy won in '82. He looks so old, he older was, than everybody. He else. was, yeah. I mean, he was probably, I'm guessing, in his early 40s. I should know that, but he looks like. I mean, in 1982, when you were in your early 40s, you looked a little bit older than True. what people do yeah. now. Tuna looks old. I don't. I don't think I look old. <laughs> I think I look look but, quite but spry. Dude, yeah, I could go on forever, but yeah, yeah. And, and, and I wish I had all that stuff still. God, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I can't wait to check my parents' attic at some point and see if any. He, my dad had these That's fluorescent the orange champion <laughs> jackets. Try, he had these fluorescent orange champion when spark really... plug jackets, and he had all these patches on it, like. 
good year or whatever, and he would wear them to the right. I mean, he looked like he worked in the freaking uh, pits or something. I mean, the apple don't fall too far from the tree because you know I'd have that same yeah, damn Fred, thing if I could. Fred, if uh, if you ever find that jacket, I'm look. I've been my mom's looking crazily for it. There's a good chance that I'll uh, I'll send your son through college <laughs> to, uh, to to have the opportunity to purchase that. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to spend too long on it. I mean, then these have been great memories and remembrances of that. But I do want to. Since, in my opinion, it is the biggest sports story of the week, I want to put you guys on the spot. And I know, Tuna, you're new to the race. Uh, You're not necessarily familiar with a lot of the drivers, but a lot of times that doesn't mean anything. I'm going to put you on the spot. The man who only picks winners, who is going to win this weekend's Indianapolis 500-mile race. All right, here it is. Put it in the books. I'm new to the race. I'm new to IndyCar racing. I am not new to handicapping and picking champions. So, the numbers tell me we're going with two-time champion, 2017-2020, Tacoma Sato, to bring it home. Man, honestly, that is an unbelievable pick. Uh when you listen to the podcast we did last night, he's one of my picks. Uh, he is, as you mentioned, a two-time champion, and I think he's in the best position he's ever been in going into the race from a uh, a racing team standpoint and the strength of his team and the strength of his car. Uh, so that came kind of out of left field. Yeah, his name this- is... Takuma Sato, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that pick. Freddie, who you got? I got little Andretti. You're taking Marco. I'm taking Marco because I can remember my dad always going, oh, God, the bad luck continues for the Andrettis. And it always seemed like I would like, what? What happened? What happened? It was like, you know, broken pissed, busted piston or something. I'm like, and I remember them having such bad luck when I was younger. So I'm going for the Andrettis because I know that they're a enriched family of the 500. Nevertheless, his son and everyone else. Uh, sons, I guess, plural. Well, Michael. Uh, right. He has- Michael had almost as much bad luck as Mario did. He should have won the race two or three times. Mario should have won the race multiple times. But you're right. Uh, there was It was kind of a running joke for many years that the Indianapolis 500 didn't really start until Tom Carnegie would say, Andretti is slowing down. Right, right. And it was like, and oh, every, you could hear and, the and roars. You could hear the crowd go, oh. oh. Yeah, you could. <laughs> it's amazing how the people there that you are in certain areas where they know what is going on. Like some guy on the radio is going, Andretti's down in turn three. or <laughs> Like, dude, it's like, it's like a whole crew of connecting people. But... Of course, I always love 
Helio and and of Graham Rahal, uh, the son of uh, of Bobby. And uh, what about? Uh, can I ask a question? Sure. No. Oh, Will Powers, another great one. And of course, I always pull for Ed Carpenter because I know Travis and his crew love him. Uh, is Connor Daly? The son of Derek Daly. Yes, he is. Wow. I remember Derek Daly in the 500 or time trials. I and just remember that name. Connor Connor drives for Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter is a driver owner. And uh, Ed has three cars in the race this year uh, himself, Connor Daly and okay. Renus VK. Okay. And I have a friend who is on Renus VK's uh, pit crew. So that all always uh, gives, and he's starting way up front. Um, the Formula One race that we went to in uh, Nashville. That was not a Formula One oh, race. What, what yeah. was that? That was an IndyCar race. IndyCar race, okay. Uh, was Herta, wasn't Herta the young kid? That's Colton Herta. Colton, okay, Herta. Uh, I also am kind of pulling for him because I, I thought he was a great driver when I watched that race live. Yeah, was he like, was, remember? He, he was, was in second forever. No, he was winning the winning race, it, I think, yeah. for most of the race, and then he had an unfortunate yeah. accident uh, towards I just like the end. How, and, and I really did. I can actually say I like how he drove because I watched the whole dang thing. And I love uh, that. And and yeah, so there you go. And uh, I can't wait to recap the race next week. It's going to be so much fun. But uh, if you are interested in the Indianapolis 500, please listen to the two bonus episodes that we've done the last two weeks. Um, we'll get off of the 500, and I want to move right into the NBA playoffs which as always have as we've said the last several weeks have uh been very entertaining very interesting for a variety of reasons they continue tonight tuna i cannot see the tv over my shoulder what is the score of the Celtics game right now? Well, it's halftime. They don't have it up right now. But the last that I seen, the Celtics were up by twenty. It was sixty-one forty-one, um, oh. and that that may have changed. Um, so this series is turning a little bit, and it looks like Boston's starting to get a little bit of momentum going. Um, I still think the Heat pull this out. They they just got to get that one more. I do but, too. But the minute, man, it starts getting scary. That game six is a must win. It I is feel like that's because a, you get put in that position. Yeah. All the pressure is on you, right? Because if you get beat in game six and you think you're going to whatever the TD Garden or whatever they call it now, going in there in a game seven and beating those guys, it's probably not happening. Right? Yeah. The Heat I now think traditionally the Celtics have played worse at home in the in the playoffs this year, I guess. Um, so well, I, I'm I don't old, know. and I just think yeah. about how it used to be, where I you never that, beat them at home in a game seven. That parquet floor, man, that's just something <laughs> about it. Like, but uh, it's always I'm always going to call Can it. You Boston still Gardens. put four quarters in between that parquet floor. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I do. <laughs> um, let me ask you, Fred. Uh, what your thoughts were, and I know that uh, in the Western Conference, we all picked the Nuggets to advance. Easy money. What were your thoughts uh, relative to their series against the Lakers? 
Well, I thought that, I mean, you got to give the Lakers credit. that I didn't think they would make it that far. Uh, they did, uh, you know, LeBron still amazes with his age, uh, you and know. he played great. Oh, he did. I mean, heck dude. He had, uh, he almost had a triple, triple double. double let, me, yep. let me say something on that. I, I, I talk a lot of smack about LeBron and most of us just and in I a joking, joking manner. Too. Um, but for him being 38 years old and to go out in that last game and play the way that he did, and you could tell his body was starting to break down on him in that second half, but that first half may be one of the best halves of basketball i think i've seen right he like did he, everything he, he could yeah he tried to will his team to victory just from that first half and uh unfortunately they just couldn't keep up and and you could tell his body was starting to break there at that that second right. half which to be 38 years old that's incredible that's um five years younger than me and i just know how my body feels just walking to the bathroom so <laughs> I, I mean that's I don't know. LeBron, yeah, for all the crap I talk about him, a reality is he's one of the greatest, if not the – I'm not going to get into that debate, but the guy's incredible. Right, I mean, and that's something we can talk about later on this summer when there's nothing else going on no, like they I'd do on ESPN radio. jump off a cliff before that debate yeah, happens. I would well, too. Yeah, and I, uh, I, Ike sent me an interesting thing about LeBron. Uh, you know, grew up with no father, no education, no training, no role models. Uh you know, married his high school sweetheart, never been arrested, never used drug, never humiliated. You know, uh, n- n- nothing in the news as far as a parking ticket. Uh, good father, heavily involved with kids' activities, uh, what he's done on the court, uh, all the money, all the stuff he's done for the, the high school and the kids and raised all the, the you know, two million uh, or whatever. I mean, dude, you got to look at all these things that he has really done positively. I mean, even MJ had some betting issues, some gambling <laughs> problems. Oh, what a <laughs> terrible person. Oh, what a. No, hold but, on, man. We're well, not bashing that. No. I, no, I'm not bashing MJ. I love him to death. It's my, you know, but what I'm getting at is LeBron has really been one of the great greatest role models as far as any athlete LeBron is ever is honestly the anti Michael Jordan they are completely (laughs) opposite relative to uh what they've done socially uh where they've decided to put their money uh the type of father that LeBron James is quite frankly um whether I, that has nothing to do with what how great of a basketball player either one are, absolutely agree. Uh, but you just got to give credit for LeBron, who could I agree easily went off the deep end a few times, and that just never happened. So, Dude, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he's like 16, 17 right, years old, right. right? I still have the newspaper clipping when he was in high school, uh, the full newspaper. Um, He's no Felipe Lopez. Uh, he's no Kevin Garnett. The first kid. Sebastian Telfair has something to say about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or, Felipe, or Damon Felipe Bailey. Felipe Lopez was the first high school kid on wait the cover minute, of Sports what, Illustrated. Wait correct? a minute. What about Damon Bailey? Remember him? He was, He was. I think Travis does. Well, of course I remember <laughs> Damon Bailey, but... 
Damon Bailey ended up being an All-American. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is, is like, well, Sebastian Telfair ended up being nothing. So, right. Uh, um, but, you know, those kids, you know, those are names come to to mind as those young basketball prodigies sure. that came up. Uh, Can you I know. say that one of the biggest things about Sebastian Telfair that I found amusing was the fact that Ray John Rondo, who grew up a full-time Louisville Cardinal fan as a child, was over-recruited by Rick Pitino for Sebastian Telfair. I remember that. And then, so he didn't come to Louisville because of that reason. Sebastian obviously never ended up at Louisville, ended up going pro. Years later, LeBron James is a starting point guard for the Boston Celtics, winning an NBA championship, and way deep down on that bench – for the Boston Celtics was Sebastian oh. Telfair. Not LeBron. You mean no, Rondo. R- Ray da- R- Rondo. Rondo. Right. Rondo. Exactly. That is very ironic. That is very funny. But uh but no, I you know, you got to give him and I and a lot of MJ people give LeBron a lot of crap, but but we all know how good he is and, and that that Jordan was playing for the Washington Wizards. Uh <laughs> At the end of his career, now he did win two three peats, so he didn't. He wasn't chasing anything like LeBron is right now. But uh, LeBron, it'll all come to fruition eventually, and he'll get his due. So um, who knows? He might get into coaching. I think LeBron's going to be a player that we all look back on after he retires, and he's going to be way more popular after it's over with. I agree I think with that. People yeah, that's in true. general are on LeBron fatigue because no matter whenever you turn on the NBA right. uh, or the radio, sports radio, sports TV, oh, it whatever, happens with everything. During the NBA season, all you hear about is LeBron this, right. LeBron that, the Patriots, LeBron this. Tom Brady, and you can't help but to form Alabama, some bit of an opinion. I get it. And I it's get like. It. I know you get yeah. tired of Bama, Nick Saban. I mean, I know like how if it you is were just a person that just watched the game and never <laughs> listened to anything, do you know what it's like on top? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah. you want to <laughs> kiss my rings? <laughs> Speaking of kissing uh, your rings, oh, Fred, there's eighteen of them, Daddy. I'm gonna give you the floor <laughs> to talk about uh, these SEC. Uh, spring meetings that are getting ready to go on in uh, Destin, right? I think they were just talking about what chewing tobacco is going to be the sponsor for the league this year. They're just all sitting around throwing red man in and, and getting <laughs> down. Oh. Well, I know that there are some real-world implications uh, based on uh, these votes that they're getting ready to take this week. I am not necessarily familiar with those because I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. But I know that a lot of people really care, and you in particular really care. Well, I do. So fill us in on uh, on what's going on this week with those meetings and what the votes uh, well, I, pertain to. Right, and, and Tuna probably knows just as much, if not more, than I do. Uh, but it's kind of like what he was talking about in our last episode uh, of what he was getting nervous about as far as the ACC and... and, and uh, how how the realignment was affecting him and his teams, 
And there's some spring meetings in Destin, uh, Florida. I'm going to be down there, Daddy. Matter of fact, but you're collecting I seashells. I, but I can't get in. I'm just going to be vacationing. You doing seashells? I'll be wearing my tie. Puka hat. shell necklaces for National Geographic. Yes, and 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 you know they're going to be discussing nil. They're going to be discussing uh, uh, transfer portal. <clears throat> Hate it. Uh, Airbrush t-shirts. And uh, uh, we're gonna. They're basically also discussing if uh, the big thing is eight or nine. That's what it all comes down to. Are You're talking be, about are conference games. Conference games. Are there going to be eight games? Are there going to be nine? And, and what I'm getting at I'm going to let you in on a secret real quick. The answer to that question is going to be nine. I agree. Because I the agree. money is going to drive right, that. Right. So it's totally. not a debate. It's just they're acting like it's a debate to keep fans on the, edge. But it's going to be nine. They are. But basically what's happening in the SEC is they're getting rid of the East and the West. That will no longer uh, be around. And, uh, you know, the, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, they all have nine games and do their own little – Deal. Remember, we even looked at the Pac-12, and they do a vote on who gets in. Not a vote, but they they go by totally different criteria than the Big Ten does to get their team. Or no, the Big the Big Twelve does. Remember when we no, were the wondering? Big Twelve plays everybody. Like it's a right. it's a not because there's ten teams in the league as of now. Remember, there was a tiebreaker. Yeah, the tiebreaker is absolutely absurd, and I don't think any one of us understood it. I don't think we do still. No. But uh, we'll, but th- that these are all the things they're going to be discussing, and it's a 16-man vote, 16 presidents. They're voting on that. Yeah, I know. That that worries me in, uh, 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 in, in itself. <laughs> but um, I feel like Texas is going to vote against whatever Alabama votes for. Like, they're just going to butt heads. Right. Well, there's a big money deal with ESPN in 2024, and as you said, that's what's driving the bus mm-hmm. for, for this vote. So, um, but but you're looking at it, it's going to be a big deal of how, you know, who's going to be the, the con- who's who are they going to play out of conference? You know, mm-hmm. how many, if, if, if Alabama, for instance, has nine games, and then they're going to play two out-of-conference games. I know from 2025 to 2034, uh, they are going to play two Power 5 opponents. Whether that be South Florida and Ohio State, yes, that may be who it is. But it's still two Power 5 opponents. And then the other nine are Power 5 what's, opponents. What's the the did you say? Well, you, 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 made Miss fun of, Florida State. you made fun of me because you said we were playing South Florida. South Florida. The other team They're will, not be, power five. will be Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, put I it think this all way. that comes down to how chicken shit your coach is. Well, Saban's not scared to play out of – he's the trendsetter playing out no. of good, good <laughs> no. out-of-conference No, team. he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Dude, for, for years we've been playing – Neutral sites because well, so of a paycheck. Right. I'm talking about true road games on a home-and-home. Home. Saban is 4-0, like we talked about outside. Right. 4-0 in true road games non-conference. And how long has he been at Alabama? Right. Texas being one of them. 
Okay, so you did Texas last year. I give you credit right, for that. Right. But other than that, but we've also played you haven't Oklahoma, traveled. USC, not, all these not at not on well, road what, games. Why are you you're not about doing that? home They're and home because home it's either. a big deal to me whether you're going to go to these schools and play. We don't need to. We're in the SEC. That's the mentality that's going to kill college football. There it is. That's well, exactly is. what right he just there. said right well, there. We're still on the mountaintop, so apparently we're doing something right. Everyone's following That's why our college lead. football is an elitist sport that needs to change. But it's not going to change that way. I, do you think I like all this conference uh, realignment? I hate it. But Because here's another thing, guys, when we're talking about this. There, there are some rivalries that are going to possibly be affected by this. May, whether it be Georgia Auburn rivalry, some people don't know that's a rivalry. It is. Um, it's the oldest rivalry. Yeah, in it's the oldest football. rivalry. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, are they going to do away uh, with? I don't know. I mean, they're not going to do away with well, the Egg Bowl. It's going to do away with. Uh, it's going to affect non conference non conference rivalries also because Clemson and South Carolina are, are a huge rivalry. Do you think that South Carolina is going to take one of their three non-conference games and schedule Clemson? No. No. They're going to schedule three turds. Right. And they're going to get paid, or they're going to pay to schedule those teams. Is, what's and they're all three going to be home gonna games. Georgia going to pick Georgia Tech? Well, probably, because yeah. I would pick Georgia Tech. Of course. But Florida's not going to pick Florida State. Right. You know, Kentucky's not going to pick Louisville. If you're Kentucky, why would you play Louisville? Right, I get it. You're going to get three wins against Mike's schools. Like, you're going to schedule Miami, Ohio, Toledo, whatever they do, um, which Stoops already does that now. But, it, yeah, so in-conference rivals and out-of-conference rivals are going away. That's what I was saying last week. Like, this, all this conference realignment and shakeup is killing your traditions in college football. Right, I get it. I mean, you know, right now they're saying that that Bama's – I'm just using them as an example mm-hmm. because I know their schedules and things of I, that nature. I want to apologize to our listeners because Drink. Uh, if you're playing the drinking game mm. – Oh, you're shithoused right you're, now. You're completely – Hammered. You are probably passed out at this point. <laughs> Fred, please continue. No, I'm just saying that, like, we're not going to – play Mississippi State and Arkansas anymore or maybe A&M and Ole Miss. But what we what, who we are going to be playing is maybe Tennessee, LSU, Auburn. But uh, keep in mind that's like every 3 years. Like you you will play these teams like it's not like going away forever. You're just going to have 3 teams right, in the SEC that right. you play on an annual I get basis. It, but what I'm well gone are some of the things like, you know, we don't play Kentucky until every 5 years. Mm-hmm. That's all going to be gone. It's not going to be 5 years anymore. You'll play Kentucky like every 8 years. Right. It's going to be I mean, dude, that's a long time to not play a team in your conference. Is I just it though? Don't, Are I you going to miss is. playing Kentucky? No, dude, personally as an Alabama well, okay. and I can, no, I hope we never have to play yeah, I'm with because you. I don't like to be in that predicament. And mm-hmm. it's been smooth sailing and they have gotten the better of us before. So. What predicament? I just don't like to play Bama and Kentucky. I just don't Why? like game. Because I pulled for Kentucky, and I've been a diehard Bama fan for years, and I've 
You know how I grew up. You don't up like the Bear Bryant fan. I don't like. I just don't like that. It, it always makes me uneasy. I don't want to see either team lose. And just personally, that's how I feel. I just so I'd rather we don't play You're scared them of Devin Leary, unless we have to play them. And if we have to, buddy, that'll be magic. Believe me. And I know every UK fan there uh, on the that's out there. Is thinking, hey, I can't wait till it, Pat. Pat's out there. He and goes, bring me Bama, baby. <laughs> give me, give me. Here's one more thing with that. Like when the way it was lined up with your divisions, the East and the West, you had years where the stars were aligned, where Missouri made the SEC championship game. You know, you had a, a down Georgia team, a down Florida team. There was could be years where Kentucky could sneak in for an SEC if the West was still going. Say Georgia had a down year. No, I, I agree. Well, when you, you and go, I agree on this whole thing. When you go to this, like, 16-team right. just, just cluster right. of we don't, shit. I don't like it. You don't like it. Yeah. I, trust me. I don't like it. You're just going to have the top two teams you are right. Out. It's going to be nine. It ain't going to be eight. No. But anyways, in a nutshell – Let's just, in a nutshell, let's just get down to, I just wanted people to be aware that uh, this is a pretty big vote for people in the SEC because they want to keep their conference rivalries uh, as much as they can. Like Tuna says, I'm not quite sure about the other rivalries. And I, quite frankly, I love them too. Uh, you know, I, I I think Clemson, South Carolina is cool. I, That's I, the best thing about college football is every right. Saturday, and every single Saturday of the rivalry. regular season, you can wake up and you know that there is a game of massive importance going on, whether it's on a national scale or a rival scale. And, and that's going to go away from us. We're going to have tons of weekends of Texas versus Louisiana Monroe and shit like that all throughout the schedule. Well, I'm just going to say one more time that maybe you're forgetting about uh, turning the TV on at (laughs) 3.30 on a Saturday and hearing, it's Indiana, it's Rutgers, it's CBS. I'm going to bet Greg Schiano every week this (laughs) week. Oh, my God. And don't forget, uh, people, uh, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, just in case you're curious, do not enter until 2024-25 season. Which will be the first year of the 12-team playoffs. Which will be the first year of the 12-team playoffs, yes. Right. And, man, I mean, that is obviously this is a, a fascinating discussion that we can get into Right. All through the summer, mm-hmm. and we will. Uh, I'm going to go knock on their door with my flip-flops on in Destin and go, can I come <laughs> on in here and talk to y'all about this shit? Tuna, I did want to quickly... I'm sure uh, I'll be at Hooters anyway. I wanted to quickly touch base with you because I know the NCAA baseball tournament is going on right now. Uh, mm. Are there anything... Is there anything that uh, that you've seen so far through the tournament or something that you're looking forward to as the tournament goes on. Yeah, it's uh it's not the NCAA tournament yet. It's conference tournament well, weekend right, right now. Right, yeah, right, next right. weekend it starts regional play. Right. Um what I've just enjoyed is uh watching so much of the SEC tournament. Drink. Look. SEC is actually better in baseball than they are in football. There's <laughs> 10 teams in that conference that have a legit shot to win the championship. And I honestly believe that the 
SEC tournament in, in college baseball is one of the best events there is True. on a yearly no, basis. You're right. Isn't Ole and, Miss uh, defending champion? Uh, of not of the uh, SEC, national? of the national champion. Right, right. Uh, I believe Arkansas won the SEC last year. Right. And speaking of picking winners, uh, I'm going to go on and throw that out there. I love this Arkansas team. Omaha's is back. Um, I like them to win the SEC championship. I like them to go on and win the College World Series, and that's my future bet pick to wrap up there. Um, also, Wake Forest is going to be a handful to deal with. Uh, they've got two excellent starting pitchers that are just a load to deal with it's that third day how they're going to deal with it because there's a significant drop off so anyway it's going to be a lot of fun and 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 uh congrats to um indiana state university the sycamores yeah who look to be a national seed and will be hosting a regional how awesome so that's pretty cool if you guys want to go to Terre Haute and and bring in some nba or uh, ncaa go, baseball i'm all I just for it go see larry bird out there Terre Haute smells funny <laughs> the entire city. I don't understand it. I don't oh, get what's going on there. Is there a sausage plant out there? <laughs> no, they have a paper factory. Well, that's oh, what it is. There, <laughs> there, is a, there is a unique smell to leave all it, of Terre Haute. <laughs> leave it to me to know exactly why Terre Haute smells funny. And all, these years, all these years, I'm glad I finally got an answer to yep. that. <laughs> There's a paper factory there. Okay. It, has, it has smelled the same since I first, I think, uh, drove through the town in 19... 19- Probably 78. That's why Larry Bird left. <laughs> That's right. Uh, guys, quickly, I'm going to throw it around the horn. Uh, give me something to look at this weekend, something you're looking forward to. Tuna. All right. Um, Little Mermaid uh, premiere starts this weekend. Um, we're going to go out. We're going to tailgate. We're going to sing songs. Go Disney. Go Little Mermaid. Awesome. Freddie. Fred. Are you being serious? I'm a huge Little Mermaid guy. Just go. <laughs> uh I wanted to say that um, uh, I just recently went out Sunday and saw the uh, Kansas concert. Yes, they're old. Some have left us. But uh, at the uh, amphitheater here in Louisville, uh, outdoor, and it was spectacular. Uh, Still great musicians, great music. fantastic concert even with the the guy and there's still a couple founding members in there phil and everybody but uh fantastic show uh had an absolute blast awesome uh i want to tell everybody that uh i really appreciate uh all the feedback we've had the last couple of weeks uh, especially relating to our bonus episodes on the indianapolis 500 um, I wish everybody that listens a happy Memorial Day weekend. I wish everybody that listens a happy Indy 500 viewing experience. And for the big fella, the tuna, Country Matt Kemp, and the fabulous one, Freddie Benders, this is Travis Carter saying, So long, everybody.